This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question this week, how do we better understand the relationship between race, class, and real estate, and why does it matter? So we cannot talk about this by ourselves. Oh, no. That would be absurd. So we brought with us an expert we are so excited to have here. Yay! Hey, white ladies! (laughs) (laughs) We are welcoming another white lady, uh, (laughs) Marguerite Martin, also known as Pod Auntie curator of the Move to Tacoma movement and host of the Move to Tacoma podcast. Basically, she's the OG, the pioneer of the whole Channel 253 network. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You're like the matriarch. Oh, that makes me feel I prefer auntie because otherwise she just sounds (laughs) old. You're the the young spry matriarch of the show. She's got a doily on her head. (laughs) Walking around in like St. John smelling like Dior Miss Dior. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, she's got cool aviator glasses on. Yeah, exactly. No, she's actually very Like really good. I can be hip. Yeah. So, how's it going so far? It's good. It's good. I'm ready to ready to talk about this stuff. All the things. Cool. I hope I have all the answers to all the things you want to know. Yeah. So I'm wanna, smarter. I, since <laughs> I, you, okay. <laughs> if people haven't listened to your podcast before, what is your story like? What, how did you end up here? And like, what makes you love Tacoma? Well, um, I ended up in Tacoma. Um, I grew up in the county, so I grew up not very far from Tacoma. I went to high school my last two years at a Tacoma high school. And um, I, when I was like 28, I had some life stuff happen. And I was like, I want to move to downtown Tacoma. I've always wanted to move there. Mm-hmm. And it was also, at the time, the cheapest place to hey. live. Mm-hmm. So I got a studio for $450 a month. Yes. That's awesome. And downtown with a view of the port, That's you know, awesome. over a bar that would soon become the premier gay bar in Tacoma, The Mix. Hey. Nice. And so it was a really great spot a great for location. a lady in her late 20s in crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> what's sad is nowadays that same studio is probably twelve or $1,300 a Dang. month. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Marguerite's going through what I went through are probably not moving to downtown Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know where they're going. Going, but it's probably not here. Yeah. Which is a very mm. sad way to start the podcast, but it's real. <laughs> we'll get yeah. there. Um, so <laughs> how long have you been doing work in real estate and living in Tacoma then? So I started in real estate in 2005 in the last boom market. Oh, okay. Terrible timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But got, you're here. You're doing it still. Absolutely. So you weathered the storm. the downturn through a lot of very undignified money gathering things that had nothing to do with real estate. Ponzi um, games. It, no. Yeah, not Ponzi games. <laughs> I didn't go the Bernie Madoff route. Anyway. More than <laughs> Amway, More than no? naked modeling for oh. the local colleges, figure drawing yeah. classes route. But, Perfect. I mean, we got it done. Yeah. Survived Selling the real plasma. estate crash. Paid the bills. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, so about three years ago, I was feeling kind of bored and frustrated with, um, 
you know, you get used to your job, right? Mm-hmm. We all have been, you know, we do our jobs for a long time and you find ways to mix it up. And that's where Move to Tacoma came from. Because my thought was there wasn't really a resource for people relocating here. At the time, my awareness about people relocating from Seattle yeah. was not super high. That had mm-hmm. that had really not started to happen at volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there were a lot of people relocating for JBLM. Yep. I'd had a, I'd had several people who were doing corporate relocations, like mm-hmm. people coming for State mm-hmm. Farm when State Farm was first opening sure. downtown. And I realized that when they Googled Tacoma and Tacoma neighborhoods, they got a lot of crap. Yeah. So the idea behind Move to Tacoma was to showcase Tacoma as a beautiful place to live and to be. And at the time, that was sort of revolutionary, I it guess. It was, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we had beautiful sh- video, full screen video homepage with like drone shots, which were still cool back then. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. things like that. Birds and view. Yeah. I, as an idea for launching the website, um, I wanted to do just a 10 episode podcast. And mm-hmm. I thought I would interview some interesting people. It yeah. would generate some traffic for the site, help teach Google that it was a legitimate place to go for good information on <laughs> Tacoma. And then I would, you know, move along. And it turned out people listened to it. And as yeah. I started creating content for Move to Tacoma and for the podcast, what I realized was that um, it's really the, the the key to the site is to make a lot of content for locals. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people who are moving here or considering relocating here um, will always find it interesting if we talk amongst ourselves and let other people listen. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the way that it works now is I don't really create a lot of, that is really geared towards um, outsiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of updated content that's in that vein. It's more for insider conversations. And then, of course, everything with Channel 253 kind of spun out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was, more and more people wanting to have conversations. Yeah, and talk, more and voices. Kind of learn from Absolutely. Those Do you like what is it about real estate that you like love the most? And then what's something that you could change if you had like a magic wand? You're like, this was something that would I would do over. Real estate is in home ownership, or real estate is a career. As a career, I mean, it can be anything you want it to be. And I mean, like most kinds of entrepreneurship, you know, like you're your own boss. You're responsible for. Mm-hmm taking out your own taxes and getting your own health insurance. Like nobody pays you a salary. You've got to go out and grind for your money, which is terrifying and exhilarating. Mm -hmm. And once you figure it out, it's very, you know, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. If you have any workaholic tendencies, (laughs) it can completely consume your entire life, which it certainly has for me. But um, it's just full of opportunity. And what I've learned is it's it's possible to be yourself. Mm. You don't have to turn into a sales Mm -hmm. robot. Which is really exciting. It allows for a lot of creativity. That's so awesome. I feel like everybody and their mom is like getting their real estate license. Totally that, normal. We're in the market. Why everybody wants that? a piece of that pie. I have my real estate license for what? that reason. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I have a real estate license for that reason. Annie Jansen. Well, I've always been, trades, I've always been interested in real estate, whatever. so I was Jackie like, of all okay, trades. I'll do it. Right, but yeah. So why is it yeah, like why, is why, that? why 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 people do that? Why do white people do that? Uh, you know, getting your real estate license, like uh, I say with love, the bar is not high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. And the I can that, verify. Yeah. <laughs> is that like on your online like marriage license or your like yeah. universal whatever? It's not quite that it's easy, but it's, I think it's ninety hours mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a little online program. It's like three hundred bucks, and you click mm-hmm. and you click through for ninety hours, and you have your license. You take a quiz. You should, with the state. You should picture our training for like bloodborne pathogens that yeah, we do for the school district schools. the safe schools yeah. training where you like play watch the, the video play it in the background <laughs> to take the quiz okay. the problem about yeah. the real estate test and everybody yeah. who's like made a career out of real estate will i mean we we just you never stop talking about it it has nothing to do with selling real estate no not mm. at all so yeah. people get their license mm-hmm. and they're like all right i know what i'm doing and then they start selling real estate and they're like holy crap yeah. like Don't no i do it. not <laughs> and unfortunately the way that the profession is set up because it's so independent is that everybody kind of learns 
on their client's dime. Mm -hmm. So unless you go to a brokerage, mm -hmm. which has a lot of training and a lot of support, mm -hmm. read expensive. Yeah. You know, these are brokerages that cost twenty or $30,000 a year to Ooh. be participating in. Yep. Mm -hmm. You might not get the training and support that you need. And that means that the people who you're working with, your friends, your family that know you, that want to support you, mm -hmm. might not be getting the best of you. Yeah. So that's, that's a, co a complicated aspect of the real estate profession that I don't see changing anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that except uh, buyer beware when it comes yeah. to new agents. <laughs> the new agents. Yeah. yeah. So how did you shift from, like you're saying, like everybody does it to actually making it like your profession? Because you're really good at what you do mm -hmm. and you've expanded into all these arenas. I mean, we kind of touched a little bit on that. Can you talk a little bit about how did you shift in that way? Like how did I kind of like yeah. make it? Yeah. How'd you, you make it? Yeah. Like in the Started beginning. Started at the bottom. Now you're here. <laughs> came, now I'm here. came at your own as a professional. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I started out in Spanaway, which is a rural part of our county. And there was a time when I envisioned being the queen of Spanaway real estate. Uh, I'm really glad oh. that life interrupted <laughs> that path. I'm picturing with like a tiara. Girl, like a float. as Garth Brooks once said, some of God's greatest <laughs> gifts are unanswered <laughs> prayers. And uh, thankfully, my uh, first couple years in real estate, I specialized in like raw land and development and investors. And Wait, a lot what's of raw land. Raw land is like undeveloped land okay. that needs a sewer, you know, that needs a not even a like sewer, sewer out there. Yeah, it needs a septic, you know, yeah, gravity systems, wells, all that kind of stuff. That was a lot of the work I do. Double wides on five acres, yeah. you know, rural stuff, mm -hmm. rural beginner yeah. stuff. And um, then, you know, I moved to Tacoma. I really wanted a more urban life and mm. um, everything shifted with me. And I just kind of got here and said, okay, I want to be a condo mm -hmm. specialist. And nobody wanted to be a condo specialist at that time because okay. the condo values were crashing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so everybody was like, sure, go for it. Mm. And that's what I did. And the shifting, the turning point for me was specialization. Okay. Was saying, I don't work mm -hmm. everywhere in Pierce County. I don't work with everybody. Mm -hmm. I just work downtown Tacoma and the immediate mm -hmm. surrounding areas. Mm -hmm. And then I specialized further. I said, all right, I don't want to work with sellers anymore. I only want to work with buyers, mm -hmm. and which yeah. is very unusual. Most agents prefer to work with sellers. Yeah, why? Um, they think, think they're easier. Okay. I personally disagree. Um, I think if you do a good job of educating your buyers, buyers are way better. Yeah. But that's a very minority position within the industry. Yeah. So in downtown Tacoma at the time, like it was a buyer's market. Buyers took a long time to make decisions. But again, mm -hmm. educating them was the key to getting them yeah. off, off the fence, <laughs> as we say in the real estates. So I created a lot of videos that were educational. I started working with a colleague of mine, Ann Jones, hey, who is out. your realtor. Mm -hmm. hey. And she's a fabulous woman. And uh, yeah, and so we started creating a lot of content. And I already had a real estate blog called Get Real Tacoma, which is still out there, though not hey. regularly updated. We'll put the is. link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but back Flashback. Then, man, it's funny because Facebook, you know, it gives you those reminder updates. And I just had... <laughs> Seven years ago. Exactly. And it was... 2012, it's 2018 now, and 2012, six years ago, I posted, hey, guys, just toured an awesome three-bedroom, one-bath house with hardwood floors and a view of the city with a garage for 119000 My client passed, but I think this is a really good deal. Do any of you want to check it out? Because yeah. I was like, oh, this is a good bargain. And now I'm like, that freaking house yeah. would be... 290 Insane. all day long. Yep. Six years from 119 to 290. Wow. You know, that's what's happened in our market. And um, some of that is, you know, people moving here from outside the area, which they're doing in droves. Mm -hmm. But also it's because the largest generation in home buying history mm -hmm. has come of age. You know, the oldest millennials are 37 years mm -hmm. old. They're parents. They have mm -hmm. kids. They've mm -hmm. inherited money maybe from the deaths of their grandparents if they're very lucky and affluent, you know, or their parents are loaning mm -hmm. them money to, mm -hmm. to get started and like – 
they're in and their parents haven't died and even their grandparents haven't died right. and nobody's yep. moving out of their houses and yep. we are mm-hmm. screwed because nobody's building <laughs> mm-hmm. anything either. And this isn't a Tacoma story. This isn't a Seattle story. This is a America mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And it's a really difficult time to be trying to enter the housing market pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. So how are you adapting to those conditions? Like you personally as an agent and like the people that you work with. And I mean, you're not just like you're an activist as well in the work that you do, which I'm sure we'll hear more about later. Mm-hmm. What are some things you're noticing that you're yeah, adapting like how to? Do you, how do you cope with that it's as a so professional? Hard. You know, when I started specializing as a buyer's agent, uh, it was awesome because sellers mm-hmm. were effed. And yeah. I mean, it wasn't awesome because sellers were effed like for sellers, but I'd stopped working with sellers. So I didn't really get emotionally involved in their mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. It was all about how do we get the best deal? Also, only 30 percent of the home sales in Pierce County at that time were fair market sales, mm-hmm. meaning normal human beings on the other side of the deal selling yeah. houses. Because, no, but we'd lost, I think, across the board in Pierce County. The average home fell, I think, 34 yeah. uh, percent. Wow. We had crazy. the highest rate of foreclosure in the state. That's incredible. So there, nobody could sell. So mm-hmm. it was short sales, foreclosures. So the people you were fighting with advocating for yeah you know like you were fighting mm. banks yeah so that's you, it. it was awesome yeah. we had all these first-time buyers <laughs> entering the market yeah and we were just putting the screws in banks so nobody cared it yes, felt really yeah. good now we're in a situation where buyers they have to give up everything they deserve mm. and i mean back then maybe we we're getting a little more than they deserved but that's okay because that was a good time <laughs> and i was like thinking about my foreclosure <laughs> yeah yeah and now we can't i felt bad but yeah also get a home benefited. inspection you can't get a home inspection i mean half the oh, time really you, no Half the time you can't get a home inspection. The seller might let you pre-inspect, but if you don't like what you find, you can't back out with your yeah. earnest mm-hmm. money. Um, if the house doesn't appraise, if you buy a house mm-hmm. for three hundred thousand yep. dollars and the appraisal comes in at two eighty, seller's going to be yeah. like, "Great, make up the difference or take it packing," because the yeah. next person will make up the difference. Yep. So buyers that are tremendous disadvantage, and this is where when you talk about class, yep. this is where the rubber meets the road because mm-hmm. a buyer that has the resources of a parent or mm-hmm. a grandparent to help them get into the market is going to kick the ass of the average mm-hmm. Tacoma buyer with a median uh, income, family income yeah. under $50,000 yeah. right. who might be going zero down or 5% right. down. They can't compete. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then when you think about, you know, race and all of that and who has the historical mm-hmm. wealth mm-hmm. and where has the money gone, you know, because of policies, government policies in the past, like, and, 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 based on research, like ongoing discrimination, you know, it's a real shit situation. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, you oh, yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. Okay. You, boo. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Bleep. And Just like, kidding. and I, I, I don't have any real um, hopeful things to say about that. Yeah. yeah. It's capitalism. Yeah, it's kind of where we're at. And it's, yeah. it, it, it is what it is. And like the thing, the thing to do is to educate yourself mm-hmm. and get a good team together mm-hmm. and get in there and fight as much as you can. But I mean, there are systemic problems. It's, it's no one thing. It's no one individual mm-hmm. that can get around this. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I think one of the things I talk about with Ann Jones is as realtors who are both white ladies yeah. who mm-hmm. are benefiting from the system, like what is our obligation, mm-hmm. you know, to, to try to to try to help improve the situation for our clients, for people who are not yet ready to be clients, mm-hmm. for renters in our community. Because mm-hmm. in the city of Tacoma, more than half of the citizens in the city are renters. Right. Mm-hmm. I myself 
am currently a what? renter. What? Yes, girl. I've owned a few houses in my day, but I'm currently house free. Is this shame bell time? No, no. Oh, no, man. No. I'm month to month, yeah. too. Like, it so could go down at any time. You, why are you a renter instead of an owner at this point? Well, I'm a renter at this point because of where I am in my life. I think like a lot of people, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was early into the home ownership game. I bought my first house when I was 24, my second house when I was 25, Dang. my third house when I was 28. You know, like, and, and some of that worked out and some of that did not work mm-hmm. out. And I learned a lot of lessons. And where I am right now is just not sure about what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. talked to a million clients about this. When you're not sure about what you're doing next, mm-hmm. don't no matter what's going on, yeah, yeah, don't buy a house. And there that are flexibility there are is really valuable. Yeah, because yeah. it, it can really go south if you make the wrong decision. And right. so, like, I really, I, I I'm, t- I'm sort of trying to take my own advice. That said, there are ways around it. I could be buying an investment property or mm-hmm. something and renting it out, but I haven't done that either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. That's a thing <laughs> that happens sometimes. <laughs> You're full of like the little, <laughs> like, little lines, little yeah, one-liners. idioms or what are uh, those idioms? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm sure. I was wondering, you mentioned talking to Anne about um, your profession being um, like pretty white. Is that is it as white as when you started or like oh, yeah. has it shifted in any way? Not to my you... knowledge. Okay. It's white and it's old. Oh, yeah. Um, do you know anything about the percentages of that or what is it? Yeah, I believe it's 87% white. Hey. Whoa. Uh, that's like a little bit worse than teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that is worse than, that's worse than education. That's worse than 80% here. Yeah. yeah. And then wow. um, I know when I entered the profession, our median age was 60. Wow. My understanding <laughs> is that. It has, it has fallen. Uh, I think it's somewhere in the high 50s now. Wow. So I am considered quite the whippersnapper oh, at yeah. 38 years old. You're yeah. starting a business. How can you be doing yeah. this, young buck? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, one thing that's been great is the housing boom because a lot of millennials yeah. have been able to enter the market. There's enough right. flow of business that younger people have been able to take that risk. And that's just, I think it's a natural byproduct of entre- entrepreneurship in general. Mm-hmm. When I got in, I didn't get paid for six months and I had to yeah. lay out like mm-hmm. three grand for my MLS access and my key to open all the houses yeah. and mm-hmm. membership in our realtor association, which is mandatory for my brokerage. Yep. Business cards, signs, like you're starting a business. Yeah. And so, yeah, those first couple years, they're sink or swim. I think the number of people who drop out in the first two years is 80%. Wow. That's higher than so education, that too. That, that, yeah, and that's interesting <laughs> yeah. about the numbers, right? If everybody yeah. in the mom has retention. a license, but then the retention part yeah. is Yeah, who stays in it, right? To mm-hmm. my knowledge, no one has done a study that has tracked that um, by race, mm-hmm. but I imagine the challenges for people of color in the real estate profession are higher because mm-hmm. one of the things that helps prop you up for your first two years is all those family and friends who yeah. hire you, even though maybe mm-hmm. you don't quite know what you're doing yet. They just, like, believe in you or yeah. want to support you, and if, if you have have intergenerational wealth if they don't have access to resources, right? They're not going to be able to do that. Exactly. And so I think what is very frustrating for me when I talk to people in my profession, especially, you know, more established, mature, uh, successful agents, Mm -hmm. is they really believe it's a meritocracy. Tell me if this sounds like anything else uh, <laughs> But, like, they think, like, real estate is a level playing field. Oh. All you have to do is Ooh, work yeah, hard what? and you can achieve. And they don't, don't, yeah, yeah. they don't recognize that they're, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your sphere of influence yeah. is all renters, um, you know, that are, that are struggling. Yeah. It, or even just, you know, 50% renters who are struggling, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. then it's harder. Like, it's much mm-hmm. harder. People might look at you and not imagine 
a trusted advisor. Like one thing that's very frustrating for me, and my niece has been in the business three years, and she's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. She's uh, 28 years old. But she looks a bit younger, and um, she's really amazing buyer's mm-hmm. agent. And she mm-hmm. gets frustrated sometimes because people will look at the brand new guy in the office that just got licensed, yeah. mm-hmm. who's 60, just retired from some BS job, and has yeah. like silver in his hair, doesn't yeah. know shit. Yeah. And yeah. people look at him and think this guy knows what he's doing. He's right. a boss. Yeah. yeah. And people look <laughs> yeah. at her and have no idea what she's capable of. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that, I mean, that's part of that like systemic um, sex that we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? And then the ages, and that's tied into that as mm-hmm. well. So yeah. You can couple that with race, I mean, you can only imagine. Mm-hmm. And I think in real estate, like the age is an advantage more often than not. So yeah, interesting. It's, it's a great profession for people to enter after they've retired from their main career. They yeah. love, it's a great second career for people. It gives, you know, mm-hmm. they, they can usually bring the experiences they had from whatever career they were sure. in before into this business. Yeah. And, yeah, for younger people, you're really at a disadvantage because people just, man, they like a little silver in their hair when they're yeah. spending hundreds of thousand dollars. I think it's really <laughs> such a good point about trust, too, right? And that's where that implicit bias comes in. Like, who do mm-hmm. we trust and what kind of voices we trust? Like, literal voices or yeah. how mm-hmm. they sound on the phone, yeah. right. how they sound in their email, right. yeah. the text message, all that stuff. And then seeing in person and all those things that you drag with you. Yeah, baggage. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I refer a lot of business because um, I'm so specialized. I refer a lot of business to other realtors. And I've had, like a few humbling experiences Mm -hmm. where agents of color in my office have called out like, hey, Marguerite, just so you know, when you refer me business, like I work with white people, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're like, Like, dang it. I'm yeah, I'm like, I guess I was referring you like, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't it wasn't even conscious. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is like well-meaning people can think they're, you know. Mm-hmm. totally not racist and totally not participating right. and you yeah. freaking are we all are yeah. it's impossible to be a realtor I asked uh, I have a niece who's a uh, different niece who's very progressive and a bit of a revolutionary and I said to her I'm like I really would like to create like maybe a secret Facebook group to have a dialogue <laughs> among like socially progressive or like socially conscious realtors like a kind of a movement of like w- mm. aspiring yeah. woke realtors yes. right that would be so cool yeah. and I was like what kind of platform would be looking at would you be willing to talk to me about like what would that look like and she's like all the property you buy and sell was acquired through rape, exploitation, yeah. and murder. So actually, no, nothing. You, your hands will never be clean. Yeah. And I was like, damn uh, it. Hey. Yeah. Like, You're right. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, I mean, I know, but like, let's think of a platform. And then I was like, oh no, like that's yeah. the stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, honestly, like long-term vision, like real mm-hmm. estate hasn't felt that. I mean, it, if. <laughs> This is such a terrible thing to say in front of other people, but like, <laughs> it feels say worse it. and worse every year. It yeah. feels it feels very hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it feels like what's happening in Tacoma is happening across the country, and I have a lot of conversations with very smart people about policy, and it all feels like a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. people love to get all excited about like tiny house neighborhoods for the <laughs> homeless and for yeah. like oh community land trusts and all these ideas that sound very sexy, yeah. and the impact is nothing. Like, it is mm-hmm. not enough. Like, what we need is just, in Tacoma, thousands and thousands and thousands of housing mm-hmm. units. And nobody wants to build them. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to pay for them. And the gap is widening. And it's almost like if you are not on that train already, and I count myself among the people who are not on the train right yeah. now, you're kind of effed. Yeah. And and people who are in houses are are seeing a rising tide and not really – paying back into taking care of the people who are not in it. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's capitalism. That's how housing works. Homes as an investment, that's America. That's literally the American dream, right? Just take somebody's land and 
put a house on it and grow <laughs> your wealth. Else's land. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm, I don't feel super optimistic about yeah. about real estate from mm-hmm. uh, an equity standpoint. Right. I don't understand. I mean, and if anybody's listening and is like, this girl doesn't know what she's talking about, please <laughs> pop me a message. You can find the contact form on movetotacoma.com. Hey. Yeah, because I want to know if there's a hopeful path here. Somebody tell me because yeah. I'm, I'm in a very discouraged place. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Like you mentioned earlier about the responsibility that uh, real estate agents have to like their community or whether mm-hmm. or not that's even a thing like and I know you've kind of been on this journey of, mm-hmm. of realizing that it is a thing so can you yeah. talk a little bit about that like why is that even necessary to have like socially conscious real estate agents or and I'm, yeah I'm wondering about these issues too because like we know about like the historic inequities that were built into the law like things like redlining and like well let's pause maybe everybody yeah. doesn't know tell yeah, us about I was it say yeah I think I, think I thought I knew yeah and then I found out I did not know crap Give us a recap of what you understand about redlining now as a professional. Before 1968, the Affordable Housing Act was mm-hmm. passed. Before that, what they would do is in the census, they would, you know, obviously track the race of everybody in the community. And then based on the percentage of black people in a community, um, they would, you know, rate a neighborhood as, you know, uh, dangerous mm-hmm. to exceptional. Basically, there were a series of, of color-coded uh census tracts. And I'd always kind of known that, but I thought it was more of like a, just like a, hey, it's a heads up. But it was actually an underwriting guideline. And mm. what an underwriting guideline is, is it's a rule. Right. And if you don't pass, if, if the rule does, if, you know, if you don't f- pass that rule, you can't get a loan. Mm-hmm. So if a neighborhood had right. more than 15% black people, the government, FHA, yeah. VA loans, the majority of loans that we get, the government-backed loans, they wouldn't give you a home loan in that neighborhood. So the only people that could get a home loan in a neighborhood with more than 15% black people were people who got private loans. And those mm-hmm. are obviously much higher mm-hmm. interest rates, not as good. So then the other thing that happened with that is obviously people who had almost 100% or 100% white neighborhoods mm-hmm. would do anything they could right. to keep those neighborhoods yeah. white because mm-hmm. if your neighborhood was not white enough, it was not financeable and the values mm-hmm. of the homes would crash. Right. So that is not the way it was explained to me before. Mm-hmm. I don't think I understood. I mean, this is, you know, people talk about institutionalized racism. Like, it doesn't yeah. get more institutionalized than this. So, you know, hope your husband has told the story yeah. about his mom buying mm-hmm. a house on the hilltop and his white friend's mom buying a house in North yep. Tacoma and the value of, you know, the friend's house house being double now right. what his mom's mm-hmm. is and you know he asked the question like what could a white family do mm-hmm. with $200,000 more of equity right. over a 20 year period you know uh, everything <laughs> everything you yeah. can start mm-hmm. a business you can send a kid to college yeah. and this is where I think white people because we we saw our parents struggle right you know we saw them buy a house and work hard to make the payment and we think like well why couldn't your parents do that yes well yeah. they could mm-hmm. but they didn't have the head start or maybe right. their their grandparents literally could not yes and right. especially for veterans you know people returning from war only to find they couldn't use their VA benefit because mm-hmm. there wasn't a neighborhood where it would work I mean it's super messed up mm-hmm. and so the what was the rest of the question? Was there a question? No, you're the- on the right track. Okay. Oh, yeah. So if people want to look up more, I mean, I can think of a title, but is there anything that you've read that you're like, you should read this to understand oh, this more? There is uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Okay. And maybe you mm-hmm. could put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yep. All talking about like why the suburbs are so white. Okay. Yeah. Super, super useful, super good uh, at explaining it. There's also a series called Race, The Power of an Illusion yes, on PBS. Really and I think it's episode three, which is on YouTube. There's uh, one called The House Next Door. Mm-hmm. And they interview mm-hmm. families that were redlined and steered in the 60s. And the thing is, is I mean, what's so frustrating is like, you know, like, unfortunately, as uh, as a community, realtors have never 
it seems, been on the right side of this. And they called it open housing in Tacoma in the 50s, the idea that, yeah. yeah. It's so open. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair housing was called open housing before yeah, it was called fair housing. But, mm-hmm. And, you know, the realtors opposed it mm-hmm. because they were trying to protect their white homeowners' right. property values. Yeah. And yeah. That it seemed that if these laws were to pass that, you know, people would lose a lot of value. And so they fought against it. Mm. And it's so embarrassing now to yeah. have that legacy you know, in my profession. And and then to look at what's happening today and say, okay, I don't want to be that realtor that's Mm -hmm. going along. Mm. Well, what are the policies I should be advocating for? Mm. You know, I mean, there's some simple things you can do as a real estate. If there are any uh, white lady realtors listening, you can. (laughs) And I feel like there must, I'm sure we could find a stat about like the number of teachers that also have a real estate license. I know, it's hilarious. Seriously. That's so true. There's a little overlap there. Casino dealers that have a real estate license. (laughs) Everybody's got a real estate license. Anyway, keep going. You're saying there's a couple things you can do. Yeah, I I hope the first part of your original question was like, now, how do you be socially conscious? Well, what's the responsibility that you have? Or do do you really have that? I mean, I think you do. But I think participating in conversations in your community mm-hmm. about access and supporting mm-hmm. uh, rights for people who don't make you money. That would be renters rights, tenants yeah. rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually, you know, might make trouble for some of your clients. Yeah. But ultimately, like, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I would say um, providing mentorship and support to agents of color in your office, providing referrals of clients to agents yeah. of color in your office and in other people's offices. If you are in an office that for whatever reason is not yeah. attracting a lot of people of color, mm-hmm. um, figure out why not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try to if you if all you've got is an office full of white people, maybe it's time to watch some Robin DeAngelo videos <laughs> as a as a group. Maybe it's yeah. time to watch Race the Power of an yeah. Illusion and and start and and that's one thing that like my company has been doing over the last three or four years that I'm impressed with. I think you know we could be doing so much more, but we've begun to have these conversations about equity and it's it's making a difference in our in our agent population and I'm happy for that. Mm-hmm. But it's I mean we just it a difference. You know, is is it, I can count on two hands the mm-hmm. number of people of color. Yeah. So it's it's very it's a slow process. It's right? so slow, yeah. and I think if more agents would just acknowledge that it's a problem yeah. that mm-hmm. exists as clients, you know, as as human beings in the world mm-hmm. consuming real estate services, mm-hmm. uh, choose an agent of color. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you now that you know, you yeah, yeah, now that you know how point. much harder it is. Uh, you know, I mean, do your research, make sure they're competent, make sure they're an expert in the community that yeah. you're looking to buy in mm-hmm. or list in. And like, yeah. you know, if you're looking to sell your house, make sure they take professional photos mm-hmm. and know what they're doing for marketing. Yeah. But all things being equal, why not? Yeah. Uh, I think that. Mm-hmm. Make we, the intentional choice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I'm wondering about, well, I wonder about like one thing that we've talked about is how how does your work kind of overlap with our work in education? Like if you're talking about that if realtors have this kind of um, responsibility for um, acknowledging their biases or like working on them, them themselves, what's the what's the impact on education? So like, how does making our <laughs> neighborhoods less segregated oh, help I mean, us in our in schools? Because that's yeah. kind of our wheelhouse. Well, I mean, Hope has definitely her, Hope's husband Nate has made the point. Uh, he spoke at a conference that my work wife Ann and I did called Genuine Hustle yeah. uh, the day after Trump was elected, which was yeah. an Interesting day to have that conference. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Um, talking about community and real estate. And he, you know, basically said, realtors, you're on the front lines of segregation in this right. country yeah. because you're sending people to good schools. And good schools means white schools. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew a little bit of that because we'd been friends and we'd, we'd talked about it. But it was very impactful. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful to have him giving that talk, which is available online. So maybe we can it put is, that yeah, in the show notes as well. Yep. Um, but... Um, 
to, to have some of my favorite realtors, some powerful people in the room hearing that and having, I mean, people in that room, like I said, it was a life changing mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. because all of these well-meaning people did not know. Mm-hmm. And so now we know. So now our obligation is to talk to our clients, right. which is effing uncomfortable. Yeah. How do you have that conversation with yeah, clients? Like, go. Uh, why don't you be a white lady client and I'll tell you. Hi. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Mrs. Bowling. <laughs> what neighborhood would you like to move to? Well, I really want a neighborhood where it's going to be safe, safe and like I can send my kids and there's like a good Starbucks nearby and, a good and maybe school. like a good school and like a park. I don't, not too many high rises either. Yeah. So what kind Kind of school, like how are you assessing what a good school is? Well, you know, like a good school, like so my kid can learn and be, you know, good. Right, so I, don't want, like, I don't want a lot of kids with behavior issues in their yeah. class. That's and, and the other thing is they'll go to great schools. So I don't know I'm if you really guys are familiar with the great schools app. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've seen it. Yeah. We'll yeah. So, which is funny because, I mean, realtors are very familiar yep. with the great I schools bet. app yeah. because that's how parents are steering Basically themselves. Basically, grade yeah. schools, right? Is that the one that grades them? Yeah. yeah. It, it grades them on a Test bunch scores. of different criteria. Test yep. scores, um, the number of kids in, I think, IEP programs yep. and things yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, English is a second language. Yeah. And what that does is make sure that your school is about as white as it can possibly be. The great schools is white schools. Yeah. And I think there, are, you know, we're in an area. Did you country. call it great white schools? <laughs> they sh- like the like, whales, like the shark, like the band. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves yeah. great white. Yeah, um, every white lady loves great white. Um, but um, yeah, so I think the the conversation needs to be like, you know. What I'd love to do, like Tacoma has open enrollment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can yeah. live anywhere in the city and send your kid pretty much any, yeah. to any school. Mm-hmm. So I, I have clients who send one kid to one school and one kid to another mm-hmm. school. And um, one thing that as I've – and I, I'll send them my podcast interviews because I've in- interviewed multiple school board members and the superintendent and different teachers is they all say the same thing, which is go to the school. So mm-hmm. yes. what I try to do yeah. is say like, hey, I know some teachers or some parents mm-hmm. at that school. Would you like me to connect you so you can do your own research? Mm-hmm. The story is greater than great schools. Yep. But ultimately, I mean, I don't think anybody in this room has made any babies out of their tummy. Has anyone? No, I don't think so. No. But I hear, um, you know, that I mean, a lot I'm of in close proximity to a baby made out of someone else's tummy. But yeah, <laughs> it's my wife. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really so you count. Have children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so He's little people will be yeah. very philosophically you know, progressive. Yeah. Yes. And then the day comes that, oh, you're, yeah. you you know, you moved into that hip neighborhood yeah. when you were in your late 20s with your partner and then you had kids and now you don't want to send them to that school yeah. with those people. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, I know so many white parents that mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. been through that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like that is the work. Send your kids to schools. Yeah. <laughs> that have people of color and people with learning problems <laughs> and people on free and reduced lunch in them. Yeah. Because that's the work. That's what integration mm-hmm. is. We are, as your husband always yeah. says, we're more segregated than we were during Brown versus Board yeah, of Education. Right. But now the government isn't segregating us. We are segregating ourselves, ourselves using yeah. a million yeah. different apps. Well, and using these systems, right, that have been in place. I really think about that. Like, I've been in a number of conversations online, mostly Facebook, um, about that same thing, right? And like the risk. And as not as, Someone who's not a parent, I understand that I have like certain like idealistic privileges, right? With mm-hmm. that, that I don't have to like. What is what's it look like on the ground? My hypothetically, I, my hypothetical children are perfectly parented. <laughs> That's something that I say all the time, right? And they it's go true. to the other school. They go to the like, other school. So, blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Right. But I really think that challenge is there. Like to your point, right? Good teaching is what makes a good school, and, and the community involvement, and that can mm-hmm. look a lot of different ways. And the way that we talk about this, like mass, you know, white schools and test scores, is not really what it means for like a good school right. in a good neighborhood. Well, and what um, are going to be the skills of the future right, in this world right. that is changing so fast? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 
the the traditional path of, you know, your kid is a tennis star by 12 and <laughs> gets into Harvard at 17 and, you know, na, 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 yeah. na, na, and that's going to be the path to success. That is being upended. Mm-hmm. You know, people that can handle difficulty, adversity, right. different types yeah. of people, change, discomfort, yep. you yep. know, all of yeah. those things. So those are like the superstars, right? Yeah. So it could be that sending your kid to a school mm-hmm. where they will not have a smooth ride yeah. and have all of the nurturing and support mm-hmm. that yeah. every white person in that school can give them, it's very possible that they might get more out of it and have mm-hmm. a better life because yeah. of that. Yeah. And yeah. they might also be a better human. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we also have an obligation, like as educators, to push for different options. Like I know in the Kent School District, they have a preschool that is they have a peer model where mm-hmm. half of the students who attend um, have IEPs and are have uh, they've been um, identified as having learning difficulties early on, like like um, pre K. Yeah, wow. and then so they have a, a students who are. Um, peer models for students with like learning disabilities yeah. and they're housed in the same school building and it's it, they are not treated differently socially like mm-hmm. they are in the same groups together they but it's a very intentional model of like how do you teach students to work together um through difficult situations yeah. when they are maybe not neurotypical right mm-hmm. and doing it intentionally so on the school end like there's also that kind of crafting schools so that we are being inclusive and mm-hmm. it's kind of it comes from every angle it seems like yeah well and that goes back to your point about like the drops in the bucket seem really Absolutely. insignificant yeah but i think i don't know if i'm gonna get all metaphor it's like the <laughs> the barrage of all the drops right and then suddenly we have a hurricane and a typhoon and a bunch of things right it's like yeah. the real, it's like the end of that that book cloud atlas <laughs> where he oh, says gosh, what is the atlas. ocean but yeah. i've not read the book but the movie is trash <laughs> <laughs> the movie i don't understand how anybody could watch the movie without reading the book that book is freaking oh, the amazing awful. Nate that and I went to watch the movie. amazing yeah and at the end of it i was like mm, just i just gave him a look and he's like you're right i owe you and then i like <laughs> held on to that one for a long time <laughs> until i had like the perfect thing and then i was like oh this I is love, payback for cloud atlas i love david mitchell i love cloud atlas i love all of his books they're yeah. amazing and life-changing that's so funny the movie was weird yeah so if, you, <laughs> if you wanted one of those like drop in the bucket things or like kind of looking forward mm-hmm. what are some things that you kind of hope come out of that or some things you're kind of working yourself even though if you don't feel like they're yeah. that significant i mean what i'm trying to do like you know, talk about privilege, like after a 13 year career in real estate, getting lucky on video and podcasting and some other things that have given me a certain position within the real estate community and within yeah. my actual community. Yeah. Like I've, I've got some opportunities and I've gotten to know a lot of people. One mm-hmm. of the cool thing about having a podcast is you get all this access. Yeah. All of a sudden you get an hour of time with people who would never hang out with you for yeah. an hour or you yeah. could not afford to pay to spend time it's with you. It's true. Marguerite wouldn't spend time with us normally. <laughs> so we had to like Girl, you got a beer in front of me and I'm all, but either. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- that's been the thing is like I have all this access now and I've had all these interesting conversations with people who mm-hmm. now have created some trust and to put them together. So like, For example, this weekend, there was a situation where I was getting some text messages from a couple of elected officials about something that had happened with the Realtor Association sending Mm -hmm. a letter. And everybody in the Real Estate Association knows, like, I'm a bit of a rebel. I in no way represent them. (laughs) I'm a thorn in the side. I'm I'm not part of the mainstream. There's like a little disclaimer, like, this is not represent. I do not represent. But they're messaging me because I'm the realtor they know. And I could have inserted myself into that situation And ultimately, that's not the thing to do because I don't know. So I facilitated a conversation between the head of our government affairs and these two elected officials Mm -hmm. and quickly realized 
that I do not have the the mind for the policy mm-hmm. conversation yeah. that was happening at that table. And I ended up drinking a little more than I meant to because <laughs> I had to stay busy during that conversation with nothing to do. But you're the mm-hmm. conduit for that conversation that would have never happened. Yeah. And I think that right now for me, like that's my focus yeah. is I know so many people like how can I put people across from each other that will help maybe humanize each other to help keep mm-hmm. the conversation going because it's so easy in all this to just be like, oh, those are those nimbies right, or the, yeah. it's the master builders. We know what they think about everything yeah, or, yeah. you know, it's those parking people again, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's all yeah. and to just like, gosh, to stay human. And I it's think like the breakdown assumptions about you, how mm-hmm. what are other people thinking and how they're operating within these systems, like just to see them as people. I'd I'd love to – I'll send you a link. One thing that we're doing at my brokerage, which I'm really excited about, is a series called Meet the Neighbors. Yes. And the idea is we are profiling – like what's happened is so many people have moved to Tacoma that there are plenty of people who are saying basically like we just want to build a wall and make Seattle pay for it. Yeah. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, it's it's like all of those people who are coming in – Never mind that the majority of those people who are saying that also moved here. But it's like everybody moves here and then they're like, and nobody else can move here. This yeah, is, right. It's universal. <laughs> yeah. Except for Doug, who's been here for generations. Hi, Doug. Producer Doug. <laughs> um, but the, the, the idea was to tell the story of the individuals because it's not the people who are impacted by market forces fault. Right. What's happening? Mm. You know, it's the systems and the institutions that need to be changed, reformed. And and that's the thing to focus on. So our series is focusing on just telling the stories of people in our communities, people who've been here a long mm-hmm. time, people who just got here. And to remind people that you never know what will happen if you meet your neighbor and to encourage them to do that. And I think that's the thing is just connect with people mm-hmm. and have community and have mm-hmm. empathy. And that goes for it's good. That goes for the the white couple moving into the black neighborhood it goes for the person experiencing homelessness like everybody has an obligation to be a part of the community Mm -hmm. that they are in and every person Mm -hmm. has value that's good so we can find that on your website is that correct Uh, yes I will get a link to you for the show notes yeah Yeah, I'd love to is there also if people want to check out your show is there a particular episode that you really love or you think is really a fun time to to start in to your show oh man uh, there's so many good ones I'll just put that out there I don't know um, uh, about education or about I mean, no the, anything the, you want the interview with what your do husband you love? what do you love the interview with your oh, husband okay. Nate Bowling so that many. was good um, <laughs> we I did uh, Tacoma dating scene super oh, proud of that one yeah, did that oh, one yeah. a couple months ago yep. everything you want to know about I mean the, the, the interesting thing is the intersection between housing issues and um <laughs> Dating, like oh. the way that um, while affor- there is an affordability yeah. crisis, the silver lining of that affordability crisis is that Tacoma is getting uh, hotter and it's getting a more <laughs> diverse dating pool. It is easier to date in Tacoma than it's ever been. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm Which busy. sounds terrible because my dance I card is, is like it's, <laughs> <laughs> every single that I know in Tacoma who's dating is like it's trash right now. But it's they don't know what, what it was before. like ten years ago. <laughs> Let me tell you about how it was in my day. Whippersnappers. Yeah, it's definitely Tacoma's who's way. Who's a whippersnapper now? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely awesome. easier to get someone yeah. to come with than he used to be. That's really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Any final questions, Annie, or should we go no, into our next segment? No, I think segment? we can go on to Guilty Favesies. Oh, what? So this is a new segment called <gasps> Guilty Favesies. Interchangeable. White ladies! Do you want to explain it, Annie? So these are things that make you feel guilty about, but are secretly or not so secretly favesies. They're your favorite. So, go ahead, Annie. What's yours? Well, mine today is Target. What? That was going to be mine, too. No way. (laughs) Yeah, I planned it out. I was like, what's my guilty favesy? I adore Target. Target. Yeah, well, I just, I like to go in and wander around looking for everything and nothing. It's kind of like, I don't One, know. I think the air conditioning is always feels really good in there, yeah. especially in a hot day. And I then... feel after a conversation we were talking about consumerism, <laughs> I feel guilty 
about the embracing consumerism, but also not guilty because there's all the things I need. Yeah. At one place. When you go in there and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. look, I really need this ground beef and I also need this deodorant. Yeah. And I could pick up a new pair yeah. of pajamas. I'm like some kind of cardigan wearing lemming. Yes. Just like wandering around much, yeah. and filling my cart with my red cart with things I don't need. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so what's okay. And so then when you see red, a, and then also like when you see people in red shirts, you kind of are like, do you work here or do you yeah, not? Like, and right? then I've been the yeah. one in the red I'm shirt. Living my just life come at up here. Yeah. So I'm wondering, well, okay. So since we have the same one, What's the place you gravitate to first when you walk in? Oh my gosh! Well, I always turn left, and then I just okay. like walk you down, do the loop. and then I do the loop. Do you do the loop? Yeah. Do you I sometimes like when you're having a bad day? Do you ever do like around. the zigzag? Like no, you go through all the middle aisles. Well, you miss all the middle aisles For if you do the loop. A bad day though. Why sometimes you have bad days, and then you, you go walk through housewares where the, all the yeah. smelly like, candles are. Let's just see are. what's going on with the blenders right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what's on sale? Yeah, I do like the office supplies. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. the candles do kind of come up there. Yeah. And the greeting cards that are overpriced and oh, yeah. I never buy. And yeah. I just look at them and smell them. And you know what's nice? Um, Target them. added um, same-sex marriage greeting cards. Hey. And that was, like, very good. progressive. I was like, thanks, Target. Yeah, Thank nice you. Job. Appreciate that. So, Marguerite, yeah. what is your guilty favesy? Do you have a guilty favesy? Okay, I'm going to be honest. And it's going to be embarrassing. Okay. There's yes. two, I think. I have a tie. Um, <laughs> nice. The first and most problematic is John Mayer. <laughs> He has said some serious bullshit and like, I don't watch Woody Allen movies because mm-hmm. I'm not about separating the art from the artist, except John Mayer, Heavier Things <laughs> album. That album was like super important to my early yeah. 20s white lady life. Is that your body is? No, no, girl. Lady. No, not that one. It's the one later. after that. Oh, it's still John okay. Mayer, though. Yeah. The one yeah. that has that song Gravity on it. Anyway. Oh, Doug, mm-hmm. Doug, don't Doug's, you judge me. Doug's in pain. I am being Doug's vulnerable. Hurting. You know, I could have lied, Doug, yeah. and said something way mediocre. And okay. I'm telling the truth. The All other right. thing that is super. Super, super basic white lady that I love mm. is the show Younger. Oh, oh. I've heard. I've seen one episode. And I don't know what this is. It. It's, Tell, talk about it. About. it's about this woman that gets divorced and she's 40 and she's downtown oh. with her hip, like gay friend in Brooklyn. Yeah. Talking about her troubles. And this like guy in his 20s like hits on her because he thinks she's like 27 like he is. Oh. And her friend's like, you do look really young. And she's been having a hard time getting back in the workforce because she's so old. And so her friend gives her a hip young makeover (laughs) and she applies to a publishing house as like an intern. You're like the best describer. Pretend she's 27 (laughs) and the outfits are so good. Yeah. And like, actually, you know, Hillary Duff's in it and Hillary Duff is freaking amazing in it. Yeah, she is. And I'm 30. I really like Hillary Duff. I'm knocking on 40's door and the idea that anyone could ever think I was in my late 20s is just such a carrot. So I end up like, every time I watch that show, like if I binge watch it, I always end up going to Nordstrom Rack and just like spending two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah. Alto a guilty phases and Nordstrom all like Rack. every yeah. like slightly age inappropriate thing you've seen <laughs> me wearing came after a viewing of Younger. So that's probably you the the two most embarrassing basic white lady things that I love. Those are awesome. Thanks. Those are perfect. Those are and I'm working ones. on John Mayer. I think I need yeah. to let John Mayer go, but it's just I'll give you a thumbs up on Hillary Duff. I like John Mayer's. All right, now for our final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. All right, so in this segment, we're going to recommend a couple things. Um, I think I'm going to recommend kind of two things. When you were talking earlier, it reminded me of the Nicole Hannah-Jones book living apart and it's a yes. book but it's actually what like 80 pages so it's really it's also not an big. audible book if you prefer to yeah. listen and it's, it's brainy nice. so maybe listen to it it's really cool. good and then the other book i was going to mention was um, from nerd farm reads book their last one and that's evicted poverty mm. and P- profit in american city by matthew desmond and so episode 30 of nerd farm 
um, Nerd Farm, uh, is a really good like explanation of the book. And also they did a pop the trunk addendum recently mm. as well. So check those cool. out on channel 253. Nice. My homework is to go watch a video and there's an associated uh, audio file um, called Housing Segregation in Everything. It's from NPR's Code Switch podcast. Mm. It's really good. So we'll include the link in the show notes. Perfect. Marguerite, what should people go do? Um, I'm going to reiterate that Adam Ruins Everything episode about mm-hmm. why the suburbs are so white and uh, the um, Race the Power and Illusion episode, um, Race the House We Live In. I think those, if you watch those two things, it'll probably take you less than 20 minutes and it could really change your life and make you much smarter. Sweet. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. We really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having yeah. me, ladies. All right. Bye. 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 The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Listen to our other podcasts like Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, Nerd Farmer, Crossing Division, Taco Man, and Flounder's B-Team. I call, I said, where, I said that you were I the, the curator of the Move to Tacoma movement. Oh. <laughs> Hope that that's okay with and you. Pot and I was on Codeine when I wrote that. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.